Hey folks, thanks for taking the time to join us today. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors at Clearview Community Church. For those just joining us, we are in the middle of a series entitled, Who is Jesus? We are exploring the seven I am statements made by Jesus in the Gospel of John. In each of these statements, Jesus is declaring himself to be the creator of everything. He is eternal. He is set apart, almighty God. In each statement, Jesus reveals to us more of who he is so we can know him better and have a greater confidence in him. So today, as we remember Good Friday, we are going to look at Jesus' declaration as the Good Shepherd. If you have a Bible, please grab it and turn to John 10, beginning at verse 11. Now, as you're turning there, if I'm honest with you, there are times in my life that I believe that God is kind of just tolerating me. He is just kind of putting up with me. I can almost hear him say, this guy is bothering me, but you know, I made a promise 2,000 years ago and I've got to keep it. Now I'm looking at this fool wondering what in the world is he doing? Maybe you've had that thought. Like God is kind of just putting up with us until we get to heaven. But that is not what we are going to read about here. That is not the message Jesus communicates. So John 10, beginning at verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I want you to notice first, Jesus says that he is no hired hand. He makes that very clear. It is with great personal concern that I watch these sheep. I'm not a hired hand. I'm not going to bail in the times of trouble when the wolf comes. Now, how many of you have ever seen a wolf? I've seen a wild wolf and they're huge. My wife, Sarah, had two wolves walk past our van one time and they're all the way up to the window. I'm telling you, if a, wolf, if a wolf is coming at me and my sheep and I had the opportunity to flee, I don't know if I'd be sticking around. But Jesus says, as the wolf comes, he will not flee. He will not abandon us. I want you to catch this. The wolf here isn't some random difficulties and circumstances we face in life. Jesus is specifically talking about our great enemy of all of us, which is sin and death. And that Jesus says here is that when we face this bloody, snarling evil, he does not back down. He does not flee. He does not abandon us because he is not a hired hand. He has a deep love for the sheep. And so what does he do? He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now let's chat about this. The wolf of sin and death, which really is at the core of who our great enemy is, when Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd, he's talking about care, provision, and guidance for the sheep. He is saying, when it comes to our enemy, I've got you. I will vanquish the enemy. I will bust the teeth out of this wolf. You are mine, and I will handle this once and for all. This isn't about every little problem our lives have, although I do think God cares about those things. This is a message of the good news of Jesus. This is the gospel message. He is saying, I'm going to lay down my life and take care of the wolf once and for all. So how does this work? Well, Jesus is going to go to the cross and die. 
So turn with me real quickly to John 19. As we look at our good shepherd laying down his life, Jesus has been arrested on some trumped up charges. He has been beaten and the religious leaders want him dead. I'm gonna kind of jump around a little bit because the account is very long. But John 19, one says, then Pilate, who is the Roman governor, took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in his face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him. You crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. Jumping down to verse 16. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out of the place to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side of Jesus, and Jesus in the middle. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I always want to make a space for those listening who are not yet followers of Jesus. So let me just simply explain what is happening on the cross. Jesus is God become a man to rescue us. He lives in a perfect obedience to God's will. He is blameless, spotless. He's tempted in every way that we have been tempted and was without sin. That is what the Bible says about Jesus. So Jesus lives that perfect life and then dies on the cross. And when he dies on the cross, what is that all about? Well, he is absorbing all of God's wrath towards sinful humanity. The Bible says that the wages or the judgment of sin is death. So Jesus is taking all our sin on himself, past, present, and future, fully absorbed by Jesus for those who have placed their faith and believe in Jesus. So the Christian now is seen by the Father through the lens of Jesus, having been made new and cleansed and spotless in his sight. This is the marvelous truth of the Bible. It is, too, it is so amazing, it's too amazing to really get our minds around that when God sees us, he sees us as blameless. Like, like I could give you a list of things today that you would go, well, he's not blameless. Like I've fallen short here and I've fallen short there and I've sinned there and I've had a temper with my kids and I shouldn't have said that about the guy who was driving slow in the fast lane. I'm not blameless. I have a long list of ways that I make mistakes. But do you know how God sees me? He sees me as blameless. He uses the word spotless. That Jesus' perfect obedience is accredited to me, granted to me, so that when God sees me, he sees me as innocent. And that, my friends, 
is a type of exchange that makes no sense and just stir up our hearts in worship toward God. That is what C.S. Lewis would call the great exchange, the sinless for the sinner, the guiltless for the guilty, the shepherd for this dumb sheep. Jesus hung there. And as we just read, declared, it is finished. When Jesus says it is finished, it was a shout of victory. The phrase actually is a single word in the Greek, to telestai. And it has a, a number of different meanings. A way to catch these. It was used by a servant to re, when he returned to his master with the news that he had finished the task. Jesus had finished the task God had given him. It's a legal term judges would use to announce that a prisoner had completely served his sentence. Jesus made sure that justice had been, justice had been served for our sin. It was an accounting term, meaning a debt had been paid in full. Jesus completely paid our debt on the cross. Artists use this term when they finish their painting as the final stroke was done. Jesus' sacrifice finished God's great masterpiece by making it possible for us to be forgiven of our sin. Priests use it in a term when they offered a sacrifice to God. Jesus' death on the cross was the perfect sacrifice for our sin. That one single word is what separates Christianity from every other religion on the planet. All other religions are about what you need to do to be right with God. And Jesus says, it's finished. You don't need to do anything to have access to God. He's done everything. You just need to trust him. Jesus has laid down his life to break the teeth out of that wolf. So eternally speaking, the wolf of sin and death, it may growl. It may snarl, it may raise its hairs on its back, but at worst it can do is come up to us with its gums. Have you ever seen a dog with no teeth? I actually had a friend who had a dog who had lost his teeth. It would bark, it would come up all brave and strong, but it couldn't do anything, just kind of slobber all over you. That is what Jesus has done to sin and death. We look at this agent of destruction that has, has wreaked havoc on huma humanity, and yet there are no longer teeth in its mouth for those who would put their trust and their faith in the good shepherd. Lastly, in John 10, verse 16, Jesus says, I have other sheep that, have not, that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. In this moment, Jesus is speaking to 100% ethnic Jews. But Jesus is saying here, that his flock would be comprised of every tribe and every tongue and every nation on earth. And so Jesus is saying, I have sheep that are not of this flock and I'm going to go find them. They are going to hear my voice and they are going to respond to all I have done for them. Let me suggest to you for consideration that you and I are in his mind when he's saying this. And even to this day, Jesus is seeking and saving lost sheep. He is calling them into an abundant life with him. This is the message that Christians believe, that salvation is found in Jesus' sinless life, death, burial, and resurrection. No act of our own. We don't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We have had our lives radically transformed through faith in Jesus alone. And we want others to experience this life. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come. Now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Jesus would go to the cross to be tortured and brutally killed for you. 
He would hang on the cross and absorb all of God's wrath toward our sin. Here's how God wants to reason with you today. Each of us is not clean. No matter how good we think we are compared to God, we all fall short. Though our sins are like scarlet. And God says, I'm going to take your sin from you and you will have whiteness like snow. Purity where there has not been purity. Now, you can fight God about this, but why when God offers an abundant life through Jesus? So maybe you're not a part of Jesus' flock and following the good shepherd. Maybe you have, uh, you have not placed your faith in Jesus. Let me lay before you today. Jesus is calling out to you today. My question for you is, will you listen to his voice? Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And maybe you're listening and you think, well, Pastor Jay, you have no idea how far I've gone. Some of you have been running from God. You think you won't be welcomed in, but Jesus has declared it is finished. The work has been done. Just place your faith in Jesus' work for you. You repent and believe. If that is you, I would encourage you to place your faith in Jesus as we pray today. So why don't you join me as we pray? God, we thank you and praise you for Jesus, the Good Shepherd. I thank you that we can be his and he is ours, that he is not a hired hand that would abandon us, but Jesus, you laid down your own life to give us a new life, to grant to us purity that is not of our own doing, but because of you. And for those who feel they are beyond your reach, I pray that they would surrender their lives to you and place their faith in you, Jesus. If that is you today as you're listening, 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is a moment for you to do business with God, your heart and his heart. Repent, turn from your wandering and doing life on your own and believe in Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you love us so much. Provide for us and you care for us. Amen. Now. For those who follow Jesus, one of the ways we remember what Jesus has done for us is by celebrating in communion. Some of you may know it as the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, whatever your tradition is. I want to invite you to participate with us today if you're a follower of Jesus, or maybe you just became a follower of Jesus. You can go grab some bread or some crackers and some juice. God isn't so concerned about what you're using, but the posture of your heart. We're going to remember Jesus' death this Good Friday, that the Good Shepherd laid down his life for the sheep and conquered our great enemy, sin and death. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23, 26, the Apostle Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us remember Jesus' broken body together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us drink the cup together. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus, once again, I thank you for your love. 
that you came to beat back sin and death, that we serve a God who is our rescuer, our hero, our savior. I thank you that you bore my sin, my punishment on yourself when you were sinless. This Good Friday, may we remember what it cost you to save us. It wasn't easy, it wasn't pleasant, but you did it for us. We love you, Jesus. God bless you, my friends. May you rest in this place today as we remember all Jesus has done, that the Good Shepherd willingly laid down his life for the sheep so we may live a full life with him. God bless. Take care.